We are on the bottom of Chavav Amin Aleph in Chagiga 26A6 in the Arch Gemara. We are up to the very last Mishnah in Mesechas Chagiga in the Tractate of Chagiga. This Mishnah is continuing our discussion about the fact that the Amaya Aret, those that were less knowledgeable in the laws of purity and impurity, were viewed as Tahor. They were viewed as people who were pure wet during when people would go to the base of Megdash three times a year, when everyone would go to the base of Megdash, uh, they were viewed as Tahor. However, once the holiday is over, once Pesach, Shavuos, or Sukkot was over, so then we would be concerned for their uh, lack of knowledge of Tara and Tuma, and so therefore we would want to make sure that everything in the base of Megdash is Tahor moving forward. And so we would be concerned that retroactively everything is impure, everything is tummy. So the mission discusses, what would you do? How would we make sure that everything uh, becomes tahar, becomes pure again? The mission says, how do we uh, purify everything? So with regards to the vessels, the utensils in the base of Mikdash, they would put everything into a mikvah. Additionally, the mission says, Moving on to 26b1 in the article, Chavav and Bez, the Mishnah says that we would make sure to tell the Ame uh, Ha'aret, those that were less knowledgeable, specifically those that are the Kohanim who were less knowledgeable, not to touch one of the specific vessels which was found in the holier part, the Kodesh of the Beis HaMikdash, not to touch the Shulchan. The Shulchan was the table which uh, we placed the lechem upon him. The bread was placed onto the shulchan. And that shulchan could not, as we're going to see the, in the Gemara, that shulchan could not have been removed to put into the mikvah. And so therefore we were concerned that the Amaret would touch it. It would become impure and then there would be no way to purify it. So therefore they warned the Amaret, the Kohanim, who were the ones that were allowed to enter into this place, the if you weren't a Kohen, you weren't allowed to go into the Heichal, into this area, which was holier in the base of Megdash. And so they warned the Amearetz not to touch the Shulchan because it was impossible to make it Tahor. They couldn't put it into the Mikvah, as we will see in the Gemara, why they couldn't put it into the Mikvah. Okay, the Mishnah continues with a new statement. In the base of Mikdash, with regards to the utensils that were used, they always had backup. They had second and third replacements for these utensils in case the first ones became impure. Because uh, as a replacement. And then the Mishnah says, All the kalim, all the vessels in the base of Mikdash require tefillah, require putting it into the mikvah, except for a few. Besides four, they had two altars in the base of Mikdash. One was the golden altar and one was the copper altar. One altar was placed uh, sort of outside this holier area, the Kodesh. Uh, the holier area, it was also holy, but uh, it was outside the what we call the Kodesh, the holier area, where they would bring the sacrifices on that altar. And then the other one was an altar inside the holy, the holy area, which is also where the Shulchan, the, the table was for the Lechem Apanim, for the bread. And that other altar was used not for sacrifices, but more so for uh, other things, uh, which um, not specifically the sacrifices, but for ketores and other things. And both of them, they didn't require immersion. 
Why not? They didn't require a tefillah uh, to put them into the mikvah. One opinion says, because they are viewed like the earth. And just like anything which was uh, from a total from the earth didn't require putting it into the mikvah. That's the words of Rabbi Lezer. Again, the Gemara will discuss this later on, so we're not going to discuss it in detail now. Because they are plated. Because they're plated, so therefore, uh, something. The Gemara is going to explain exactly what the Chacham mean when they say that they are plated. But that's that's for a later discussion. The Gemara now goes back to our uh, mention of, uh, to the beginning part of the Mishnah, which mentions that we would tell the Amearites, we would tell those who are less knowledgeable to not touch the Shulchan. Don't touch the Shulchan because the Shulchan could become impure and we have no way of making it pure again because we cannot put it into the mikvah. So the Gemara says, Tana, it's taught in a brisa, the brisa from the time period of the Mishnah. It says, not just the menorah, he's not just the Shulchan, sorry, the table, which uh, housed the lechem apanim, the bread, but it said to be careful. They told the Amearites to be careful also from touching the Shulchan and the menorah. The Shulchan and the menorah. They couldn't touch the menorah either. Why not? Why can't... Apparently the menorah also, you can't put it into the mikvah. Why not? What's going on here? Vitana didam, my time, alotana menorah. Why is it that our Mishnah doesn't mention the menorah? It only mentions the Shulchan, the table. While in the price it mentions both the Shulchan and the menorah. So the Gemara explains. Shulchan ksiv beitamid. By the Shulchan, it says that the Shulchan has to be there always, 24-7. The Shulchan has to be in the base of Megdash 24-7, which means that you cannot take it out in order to put it into the mikvah. So it has to be there 24-7. Since you can't take it out, we tell the Amearet, please don't touch the Shulchan. We don't want to make the Shulchan impure. But however, by the menorah, loksiv batamid. By the menorah, it does not write that it has to be there tamid. The truth is that it does, the ver- meaning continuously, the verse does say the word tamid. But when, when it comes to the menorah, it means, Rashi explains that it means nightly. That, it, that you only have to light it at night, it only has to be there at night. During the day, if it becomes impure, so then, according to our Mishnah, you could take it out of the base of Mikdash, or out of the, uh, the Kodesh where it's placed, and put it into the Mikvah. You'd be allowed to put it into the Mikvah according to our Mishnah, which is why our Mishnah says we only warn them about the Shulchan and not about the Menorah. Oh, what about Ve'idah? What about the Brisa? Why does the Brisa feel that uh, we cannot... They shouldn't touch. We warn the Amaritz not to touch the menorah as well. Because because it says in the verse, The menorah has to be opposite the Shulchan. It's placed really opposite the Shulchan. In the Kodesh, in that area in the Bishamidash, it's placed opposite the Shulchan, opposite the table. So when the verse says it has to be opposite the Shulchan, it also means that just like the Shulchan has to be there 24-7, according to the Brisa, not according to our Mishnah, but according to the Brisa, the menorah also has to be there 24-7. It has to be there the entire time the shulchan's there. The shulchan's there always. So the menorah also has to be there always. The idach. But what does our Mishnah do about that? Doesn't the verse say it has to be opposite the shulchan? So our Mishnah holds. The verse is just telling us where to place the menorah. Not that it has to be there 24-7, but just where do you place the menorah. So in the end of the day, we have a dispute here between our Mishnah and the Brisa. Our Mishnah says that the menorah does not have to be there 24-7. You can move the menorah during the daytime. It has to be lit at night, the entire night. But during the day, you can move it. And the Brisa says that, no, you're not allowed to move the menorah. Since you can't move the menorah, we would also uh, warn or tell the Amea Aretz not to touch the menorah as well.
Okay, that concludes that part of the Gemara. The Gemara now questions, and it says, it, it, we, we warn, it asks the following question. We warn the Amirates not to touch the Shulchan, not to touch the table. The question is that, uh, we'll, we'll, as we'll discuss, the table might not be able to be susceptible to impurity anyways. It might not become tame. Even if you have a person who is impure, even if they touch the table, the table might not have the ability to become impure. So if it doesn't have the ability to become impure, so we should let the Amirates touch it. Why not let the Amirates touch it? Even if they are impure, the table doesn't have the ability to become impure. It doesn't that, That's what the Gemara is going to ask right now. The Gemara says, if it typically, the Kli Let us say, why don't we say the following, that the table was made out of wood. And wood, which was which was made to remain stationary, and it was made to remain stationary, it stays in its place. There's a rule that any wooden utensil which is made to stay in place, not to move around, it cannot become impure. How do we know this? Now, just moving on to 26b2, how do we know this? My taima, because the verse connects a sack to a table. The verse connects a sack to a table with regards to the laws of purity and impurity. And there's a drusha. We, we learn out the following connection. That just like, this is part of the oral Torah that was passed down from Moshe, that just like when it comes to a sack, in its normal usage, it could be carried both when it's full and when it's empty. When it's full of things, you could carry the sack. Certainly when it's empty, you could carry it. So too, anything uh, which is connected to that in the verse, like a wooden utensil, uh, it it could only become become it could only become pure if you could carry it when it is full and when it is empty. But the shulchan, the table, it was always in place. It was never moved. We just mentioned that it has to stay there constantly. It was never moved. It was never carried. So therefore, it could not. It, it apparently it should not be susceptible to impurity. So then we should let the amayaret. We should let those people touch the shulchan. What's the problem? Even if they touch it. It does not become impure because it can only become impure if it's a utensil which could is made to move around. The shulchan is not made to move around. So the Gemara is going to answer, no, the shulchan was made to move around. Even though we just said it has to remain in place 24-7, they did move it. They lifted it up sometimes just to lift it up. They didn't move it outside of the room, but they would lift it up. They did pick it up. As Lakish says, says, the verse itself says that the shulchan, the table which held the, the bread, the loaves of bread um, for the week, so it's the verse says that it is a pure table, implication being that it has the ability to become impure. It would only say that it's pure if it has the ability to become impure. Why does it have the ability to become impure? What does it mean that it has the ability to become impure? It's stationary, it's set in place. So rather, it wasn't set in place. Ella, Melamed, this must be Shemak Bino. So sometimes they would lift up the table. When would they do that? They would show the Lechem Apanim, the bread that was placed there from one Shabbos to the next Shabbos. It was there for a week. They would lift it up, specifically during the Aliyah Larega, when the, all the Jews were by the base of Mikdash, they would lift up the table the Omer Mlahem, and they would say to the people who were there in the base of Migdash, the entire 
entire Jewish people were there, they would say to them, they would lift up the shulchan and say to them, See how beloved uh, you are towards God, towards Hashem. Why? They would place the bread there on Shabbos. This is not an oven, this is just a table. And it would last there for seven days. It would stay there for seven days. And then the next Shabbos, that's when they would take it out and the Kohanim would then eat from it. And there was a huge miracle which took place in that the bread remained, according to Rashi, remained hot, steaming hot. Others explained that it wasn't so hot, but it was still fresh. It was very fresh. Even though it was out there for seven days, out of the oven for seven days, it remained fresh. And this was a huge miracle. And they wanted to show this miracle to everybody. So they would lift the Shulchan. They would lift the Shulchan so that everyone, they couldn't take it out for everyone to see, but they would lift it so that everyone would see the bread here that was there for seven days, and it would be fresh and hot. How would they see it? Some explained that there would be steam coming from it for all seven days. It would still be extremely, extremely hot, um, that there, there was steam coming out of it, and that was a huge miracle. So they wanted to show how much of a miracle that there was in the base of Migdash, so they would lift up this table. The Amr of Yishuv Levi, they quote Rabbi and Levi, who says the same idea. There was this big miracle that happened with the Lechem Apanim, Kesiduro Kach Siluko, that it remained just as fresh and hot when they removed it a week later from when they put it on. Uh, to, as the verse says, to place bread that is hot on the day it is taken off. That on the day that they took it off, it was just as hot. So that answers our question that we said that. How is it possible for the Shulchan to become impure if it just is stationary? The answer is it wasn't stationary. Three times a year, Pesach, Shulchan, and Sukkot, they would lift it up. They wouldn't take it out of the room, but they would lift it up so that everyone could see this great miracle which occurred to show the love that Hashem has towards the Jewish people, that the bread, which is there for one week, it remained just as fresh and just as hot uh, when they took it out a week later from when they put it in. Okay, we have a little bit more left on the page, but uh, for next week... The next stop, the next page, is not long at all. So we will continue with this next week. We probably have two more recordings for the entire tractate of Chagiga.